Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vigilance Press Podcast. Tonight's very special episode stars uh, an old friend that we haven't talked to in a while, Jack Norris. Jack, how are you doing tonight? Doing all right. I am doing all right. Uh, nice, uh, lovely day in Chicago and a lovely evening. So I am just uh, enjoying uh, enjoying the weather and uh, looking forward to talking about stuff tonight. So, cool. yahoo. Yeah. Um, for those who have been missing Jack um, or who haven't met him uh, on the podcast before, uh, Jack has been very, very busy. He's been uh, working yeah. a lot with uh, Green Ronin. Um, they named you line developer for the... Uh, Dragon Age, uh, yes. pen and paper game for for the uh, Dragon Age uh, tabletop game mm-hmm. and the uh, Age system, which is uh, the system Dragon Age uses, and we will be putting out a new setting and game for that uh, sometime in the future, hopefully, hopefully in 2014, but we'll see. But it's definitely going to be developed. Be, be, it's starting development soon, and so in addition to Dragon Age, we're going to have that. And for folks of for fans of Dragon Age who haven't been listening to this, Dragon Age will continue. Uh, we are going to be doing a new game that will not stop Dragon Age from from being done. Uh, and uh, I'm working on that. I've been doing some stuff for me and some masterminds as well, including a new setting uh, that I'll be working on and developing in uh, the next year, uh, which will uh, I pitched to them a while back and they liked, and so we'll be doing that. It's called Exodus, and uh, there's been a little bit of information on that put out at Gen Con and such, but uh, there'll be more information about that coming up. Um, working on the Firefly game for Margaret Weiss Productions, uh, the adventure for their core book. Um, I um, Let's see, I'm trying to think of what else. Um, you know, obviously some stuff for Vigilance Press, uh, yep. Betamen, Kaiju Cultures, uh, a bunch of really cool stuff. And I'm also going to be working on the Trinity Continuum core book and possibly other stuff in the Trinity event, which is the uh, the new version revamp of the Trinity adventure uh, aberrant line from, uh, you know, back from the 90s and such. So, uh, or in early 2000s. So yeah, I've been a busy, busy boy. Um, I also recently did a pitch for Hill Fo- Robin Lost Hill Folk and some other stuff. So, yeah, I'm a, I've been busy. It's been a lot of fun, but it's definitely been very, uh, very, uh, you know, active. And on top of that, of course, <laughs> I have also been spending a lot of time working on what we're going to be talking about tonight. And with that, I will let James finally get a word in and talk about what we're talking about. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> Tinch, it's like, breathe, man, breathe. <laughs> uh so, um, yeah, I guess we'll we'll launch into Tinja. I did want to mention um, with the Vigilance Press products that uh, we do have several large things about to drop. Um, they are hopefully going to be dropping during the course of this Kickstarter that we're running. But um, tonight we're going to be talking about Tinja, which is our very first Kickstarter for Vigilance Press. And um, the book that we're launching is called Tinja, Blood, Silk, and Jade. And um, this is a project that we've been working on since about December of 2012. Uh, if you've been wondering where Vigilance Press has been, we've been kind of, you know, head down working on this as well as some other products, but uh, mainly trying to do this. And, and it's been coming together amazingly. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, Jack, um, give us a little... Uh, capsule summary what is tinsha and uh is it a standalone game or is it something that works with something else uh it is actually uh we're talking about first in addition to being our first big print product it is the first uh vigilance press fate core 
uh, product, and it will use the uh, the fake core system. Um, you will need a, it is a um, it is a supplement in the sense that you will need a copy of the fake core rules to play, which uh, you can get uh, either for free or uh, pay what you want in electronic format on uh, the website of Evil Hat Productions, who does it, or RPG Now, Drive Through RPG, various fine established online stores such as that, or you can buy it in a game store in a lovely print copy. That um, really a uh, nice a nice uh, digest sized hardcover that's really really fantastic, mm-hmm. and um, that is so we'll be using Fake Core. However, you know and the reason it's going to be a full size book on its own is that onto that basic system we are putting in a a sort of a, a, a subsystem or you know additional rules call it what you will for uh, you know the sort of wuja kung fu action for kung fu styles and you know a lot of the genre elements that you see in those sorts of stories and you know move you know, the various movies like crouching tiger hidden dragon hero uh not the dustin hoffman one for those of you who might be <laughs> uh, yeah the jetly not dustin hoffman and and uh you know detective d and mystery of the phantom flame uh a lot of wonderful stuff actually if you've got netflix instant you could just start you know checking out uh it is it follows into that genre and um that's basically, you know, so that's why we have a full book. It's going to be, it's going to require fake core, but it's going to have its own, its own setting and its own, and its own rules to go along and it, with and it. it is, which, and it is not just a set of rules, right? It's, it's actually a full-blown setting. Yeah, I mean, it is, it is a full-blown setting. I mean, well, I mean, I, I guess, you know, it is, a, it is a full-blown setting in the sense it is completely usable. Um, however, we also have left room for expansion. Uh, both into far, farther parts of that setting because um, it details one province in a in a nine province empire, which is very much sort of a China that never was. Um, but also, um, I, I think it's fair to say. I mean, if James, correct me if I'm you have a different opinion about this, but I I also think it's it's fair to say that you know it's very complete as a setting of its own, but there is room for expansion. And also, even within the setting we detail, there is a lot of sort of intentional white space left open for people um Mm -hmm. you're not like we weren't like oh we don't want to put that in there but you know because we don't want to do the work but more along the lines of saying uh this is something that merits a discussion but maybe we don't want to provide a concrete example um for i I think that's actually in the spirit of fate anyway part of the the fun of doing a fate game is is creating your own things to drop in the setting for both players and GM. So leaving that room was an intentional design choice. And, and actually, for a quick example, for anybody wanting one, just a real fast example. Um, at one point, there are no um, kung fu schools that detailed in the. Um, as, 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 and by, by that, I mean a physical location in the setting to go learn martial arts. There are kung fu schools, as in there are fighting styles in the rules. And uh, but there is a discussion of it, and one of the discussions is that you know it's really up to the players and the GM based on what aspects players take, what things you want to focus on in the game. You know, certain styles that might be common in one game are rare in another. Uh, you know, if if somebody decides they want to play, you know, the last. You know, the last practitioner of ghost monkey kung fu, well, then what we really kind of would be doing somebody a disservice to put the big ghost monkey school in the middle of the capital city, um, <laughs> which, then, which then suggests that either we have this empty school sitting there or that you have to change something. So um, so we kind of leave 
things like that open for people intentionally. Um, a couple other games have done this uh, to varying degrees uh, lately. Uh, 13th Age, Dungeon World, um, some of the more D&D stuff. This is the first time I think I've personally seen a sort of Eastern-themed game do it. Uh, usually they, they tend to focus very heavily on really fleshing out all the towns and villages and everything. And instead we focus more, I mean, and again, James, you know, tell me if you feel differently or if you have anything to add. I kind of feel like in this case we provided some really solid examples and then explicitly said to them, this isn't the only, you know, these villages we talk about are not the only villages. This city is not the only city. You know, this, th- this location is not the only place. There can, will, and will be other places based on the needs of your group, which, as you said, is very in taking with fate. So. Okay. One of the things we do want to you know, underscore is that we didn't just leave it all empty. We actually do have some no. really great characters and really great settings in there. Um, one of my favorites, you know, some of, some of the villains that you created are just amazing, like uh, the three motherless killers. I, I love the Three Mothers Killers. The Three Mothers Killers were, as I explained to somebody recently who asked me about it, we were talking about it. They were one of those ideas that got in my head and would not leave until um, they had to be put out somewhere. Um, and it really just started with something, as it sometimes does, as simple as a name. I was sitting there going, I really want to have guys called the Three Mothers Killers. And then I said, well, what does that mean? You know, who, who, would, who, would you, who would willfully call themselves that? They sound like a bunch of really bad people. And they were. And... Um, but, you know, and then, and then I kind of came up with a story of them being orphans and, you know, hence the motherless part. And then they grew up in a rough area and had to learn to be, you know, rely on each other but nobody else. And, and, and that's actually also in keeping of sort of the Wuja Kung Fu action style is that it is very rare that a bad guy, no matter how terrible they are, or a hero, no matter how virtuous they are, is not going to have some other element to them that is not only going to give their character some depth, but is also going to give them uh, a little bit of mitigation for where they fall on that hero and villain spectrum. Which, again, I think fate, which is one of the reasons why fate works very well, because I think with aspects and other parts of the system, you can really have fun with that uh, in, a, in a play standpoint, and also um, I think it's very genre-appropriate. And so it's very rare to see a guy who's like, you know, terribly holy and completely evil. Um, and likewise, you'll rarely see a guy who's completely virtuously good. Even our sample PCs, which I say universally fall into the heroic category, definitely have their flaws. And, you know, definitely have, have elements to them that could even be exaggerated by someone who wanted to take those out of the, out of the gate but wanted to play somebody who was a little more of a gray area. Um, so let's talk about a little bit more about the setting. What kind of area, and you said this is one of the nine provinces of Tinsha, basically. What kind, what, what's the name of the province, and tell us a little uh, bit about it. Yeah, it is a, a Zhengzhou, um, and it is the, what means uh, borderland, and it is sort of the borderland province, obviously. Uh, on the western edge of the empire, it is um, it is inspired to be sort of a lawless area. There is a governor, there is a capital city, you know, uh, there, there are officials. It's not a complete wasteland, but it's designed to be sort of a rough and tumble place for characters to start their adventuring, where, you know, uh, a handful of stalwart adventurers wandering, you know, Wuja swordsmen, uh, you know, Mel valiant monks, whatever you you know want to be playing in this situation, um, could make a serious difference. And it also serves, at least in my mind, as a wonderful way to introduce the setting. Uh, I, I think there is some, some real utility of introducing uh, a place with a lot of diverse fun areas to go, but have you know, a little bit of a, a sort of a salad bar approach to, um, 
to the setting in terms of here's you know here's a mysterious forest here's a river and pirates and here's a here's a trade route here's a city um, as opposed to trying to you know dump everybody in the imperial capital and expect them to just sort of you know you know swim swim in the in the in the setting you know in complete uh, you know and feel completely comfortable in it you know right away when you just dump you know here here culture here background and I think that if you push that too much. Um, it can be can be overwhelming, but as James said, on the flip side, one of the reasons why we did break it into these you know sections and just deal this detail this one province is there's a lot of meat there in the detail of the province. I mean, everything from you know an inn you can stop at on the road out of the empire to the major city and like marketplaces and you know tea houses and things are detailed. And so you know, and again, we leave room for your people to put their own stuff, but you know, they're really. I really tried to make sure that there wasn't a classic example of something that wasn't didn't have a representation in the book. So if you know you want an example of a of a ancient forgotten temple, or you want an example of a you know a, a peasant you know quaint peasant village, you know, or uh, you want an example of you know a, a corrupt city that you know with needs to be that you know with magistrates you know railing against the gangs that are fighting against each other or whatever, those are all they're all there. You know they're they're all there, and you have examples of all of them, and they're fleshed out fairly completely. In fact, uh, uh, a good two rather large chapters of the book is just that. So um, it's a pretty pretty good chunk of stuff, and that's not even including uh, sidebars and discussions and overviews in other parts of the book that really touch on the setting. So uh, it's a, it's a it's a lot of stuff. Again, mm-hmm. again, I think I think James is right to point out that I didn't want to down. I didn't. I wanted to not seem overwhelming, but I don't want to downplay it and make it sound like through like five paragraphs out and said do what you want uh, <laughs> that's so, obviously yeah. exactly accurate um so going from uh of course the the setting part of the book um i, I don't want people to think too you know i'm rushing too much passes but i i do want to get to the kickstarter itself and some of the extras we're hoping to do after that so um let's go ahead and jump to the kung fu rules themselves and kind of give people a basic rundown of what is special about combat in uh blood silk and jade or tin Shaw as opposed to your standard fate core game um uh fate core you know obviously has you know a, a really sort of interesting sort of somewhat narrative combat system uh that has uh, a lot of options you can employ. And I actually employed some of them and then tweaked from there. Um, if I had to distinguish the two of them, which I'm obviously being asked to do now, I would say that um, uh, Fate Tian Sha's, uh combat system is based very, very character-heavy. We don't put a lot of focus on gear. We don't put a lot of focus on weapons and armor. Uh, the presumption is that you know a master swordsman with a stick is... you know pretty much as deadly as a master swordsman with a sword unless that sword is special uh there's a slight defensive edge to the rules which uh, models the source material where if you watch a wuja film or you watch a uh a kung fu movie uh two evenly matched foes could fight all day and in some cases do um if all they do is just try to swing weapons at each other and it's really about using the fake core system in creative ways to, to uh, you know, create advantages, tag aspects, and all the things that make fake core so exciting and fun. It's really about using that to emulate out fighting your opponent. It's, I mean, it, it, especially an opponent that is equally skilled. Um, but on the flip side of that, we have a kung fu system which is modular, and I'll get to that in a second. Um, but is also tiered. And so characters who have achieved a certain level of mastery do have a definite edge 
over people who are at a lower level. So you do emulate the, you know, idea of the old Kung Fu master who can, you know, battle, you know, a bunch of lesser foes. And it's not just simply because he has a high skill rank in fight. There are other elements into it that allow that uh, to be very easy um, and fun. And uh, in addition to, you know, the hardwired things, we also even throw in some optional rules that people can use to make it even more, you know, to tweak. Uh, that's actually something that I was really a big fan of with a lot of different optional rules. Uh, yeah, I, I wanted to not force anybody to do anything too outside of fake core because I think it's a really nice, solid system. But I also wanted to provide options of things that I had seen at the table that worked, not just for fake core, but for a lot of other games, including games I worked on, but also in some cases just games I played. And... Um, but anyway, so the but the kung fu system, which is really funny, is uh, is modular, and what that means is uh, you will basically build a kung fu system by taking two elements and putting them together, and from that you will get uh, a number of techniques which your character can buy, and one secret technique that you get once you've mastered everything, and uh, techniques roughly map to stunts. They're they're intentionally designed to be uh, kung fu fighting centric stunts, and. Uh, they're a little uh, because they're more of a sort of a, a modified stunt tree. For those of you who have read uh, Fake Core and really kind of get into the terminology, for those of you who don't, a stunt tree is kind of what it sounds like. It's a bunch of stunts that you know branch off and link together so that to buy one you buy the other, and or you know to you buy these three and then you can buy this one that's higher than it. Um, I went for a slightly less tiered model than I've seen. I basically had six techniques. Uh, for each school, and then if you learn all six, you then become a master and learn the secret technique, which is the the master ability, which is unique to each style combination, which is where it really kind of gets to be interesting is that you could have, uh, you know, four people all take the uh, take the same, uh, you know, one of the same elements. They could all take, for example, we're all going to use iron style. That's going to be our thing. Every one of our players is an, knows an, a version of iron style kung fu, all these hard-hitting, you know, external, you know, Fierce blows, punches and kicks, you know, uh, fierce resistance, building up con- physical conditioning styles. But, uh, you know, uh, you know, Joe over here is going to be an Iron Tiger stylist and, you know, Betty over here is going to be Iron Crane and et cetera, et cetera. And that will create a variance which will allow people to sort of play off their strengths and weaknesses and have fun with it. So it's um, it's designed to be sort of a be a, sort of a tactical system in the sense that I wanted to give combat a little more of a of a tactical variation and edge that i think uh kung fu and wuja sort of um really favors but with the other thing that it favors which is without very very strict minutia which you see in some games like i mean i didn't you know we're, we're still using the zone movement and other things of uh of fate because i think that works much better than trying to map out spaces or um you know try to uh really track you know really really fiddly bits because at the end of the day you know if you look at the inspirational media, uh, Wuja or Kung Fu is both of which, both of those sort of subgenres are very much about, uh, you know, keep it fast, keep it going, um, you know, tell a story with your character, tell a story through your actions. Uh, you know, Kung Fu is king, but it's not the only thing out there that, you know, there's, there's characterization, there's, you know, comedy, there's tragedy. Um, in a lot of ways, when I'm talking about these genres, um, if you really get into it, you're not just talking about these genres, you're talking about the meta-genre, um, sub-genres, comedy, you know, tragedy, etc. And as much as possible, trying to model those in the rules and also just have a fun, you know, happy, you know, kung fu system that's a lot of fun to play and, you know, rewards a little bit of creative play without being overwhelming. Um, and so that's the mixture of giving structure to it by defining styles, but leaving some space open for people to really experiment with their tech tactics and such. Mm-hmm. So you kind of, 
kind of kind of create a middle ground. I'm a big fan, you know, not to belabor the point. I'm a big fan design-wise of what I call sort of a middle ground game design. And uh, where you take things from sort of these, you know, tried and true games that have been around for a long time and techniques that have worked repeatedly, and if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And you mix it with these new ideas that, you know, other people are have been doing or maybe you come up with new ideas yourself. And you um, try to meld those two to create something new. I'm a big fan of that as opposed to, you know, rejecting old stuff and veering far afield or, you know, just emulating old material and ignoring new stuff. So, and I think Fake Core uh, I, I embodies that, which is one of the reasons why I think it's a good fit for the system and for the game. So, yep. so um, for people who might want to know a little bit more about the production of the, of the system, um, I, you know, we've, we've, we've kind of talked about what's in the book, but who's putting the book together? Um, obviously, Jack has written the book cover to cover. We've got um, Nathan Kaler, who's been our stalwart editor for uh, two years, two and a half years now. Um, I, I've lost track, but you know, without him, I wouldn't be able to keep anything straight anyway. <laughs> um, but uh, and 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 now we have an amazing layout artist working on it. This is this is. Uh, this is new for us. We we, we brought in uh, Daniel Solis. It's uh, fantastic. Just um, Joe Pilgrim's of Flying Temple. He recently did his Bell of the Ball Kickstarter. Um, uh, there was a couple other things that uh, he was on Fire. He's working on Firefly. He did some work for Marvel. I'm sure there's a few things that I might be forgetting. He did the uh, uh, Koi Pond uh, card game. If people, you can check out uh, Koi Pond, and I think there's also. Um, some videos you can check out a koi pond uh, video on youtube uh it's k-o-i like the fish uh it's a card game you can get off of drive through rpg um they just like you said you did the be- they did the bell of the ball kickstarter j- uh just recently which was very <laughs> successful um uh, his, his work is amazing and he has a really good eye for uh for putting putting text and images and graphic layout together in a way that is just I mean, just brings everything together, which mm-hmm. I'm, he, 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 reli- he is reliably thought of as one of the better layout guys in the, in the business. And that praise is 100% deserved. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he is, he, he was such a great guy to get on this project. I can't say enough nice things about him. He might be the person I would praise the most on the project, but you know, it's hard to say cause I, I literally, Nathan Collier is literally my lifeline to, you know, <laughs> com- to, to be keeping me comprehensive and communicative, uh, <laughs> As, as my editor, um, he's really one of the best editors I've ever worked with. Well, uh, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to leave anybody out, um, and I don't want to diminish the importance of our artist either. Um, Denise yeah. <laughs> Jones has done an amazing job on the artwork. It's, it's all full color artwork, and it's a full color interior uh, for the book that we're planning to do. I mean, um, we've got some beautiful page layouts using color and colored text and things like that, that, uh, that, uh, Daniel's done. But, uh, Denise's artwork is just, just mind blowing. Oh, it's like, I, I've, I've said this before. So, um, you know, uh, James is going to hear this quote from me, but I'll share it with you folks. Uh, I have run out of adjectives to describe Denise's work. It is just (laughs) wonderful. Uh, and just amazing and fantastic and jaw dro- you know jaw dropping and et cetera et cetera et cetera um, that it is you know every time she sends me a piece I, I, I and 
literally after the you know 15th 20th piece i said i don't have any more um, you know extreme praise to work to 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 send to you without repeating myself because every piece is amazing every piece is great every piece is just inspirational and as a writer i have to say that it's a real treat to work with an artist that you can send like a fiction piece to that you can send a, a an impression to and and to get back something that is just wonderful as opposed to having to real i mean nothing against the guys who want more direction i know some wonderful artists who want more direction and they want you to really describe to them what you want but there was something sort of magical about working with denise on this project that i could send her you know like a here's a fiction piece i here's a you know here's a you know 500 word or whatever fiction piece i wrote for the beginning of this chapter and then ask her do you need me to you know call out an image or anything and have her go no no I, this is great this is just what i wanted and then to get back the the sketch and be like well that's that's perfect that's better than i would have come up with you know, that, that's a better image than i would and in some cases not only because she's pulling out the wonderful action scenes and stuff which one would expect from an action-oriented sort of wuja kung fu game uh like tian sha but also uh pulling out these wonderful slice of life pieces every once in a while you know where i send her this action-oriented description and she pulls out this calm before the storm moment or something that really just brings the piece together and uh i think makes the whole book you know, just not only beautifully illustrated, but sort of gives it a character, and then and simulating some of the some of the graphic and layout tricks that Daniel did, things I'd never considered. Um, that really, just to me, uh, just spoke to you know, this book is greater than the sum of its parts, <laughs> and, I, and I and I and I definitely think that's what you know one of the great one of the reasons you know we're looking at kickstarting it and getting the funds to put it out and you know in a print run and get it out to people is. Uh, I, I when I start when we started this project, I could not literally imagine that it would come together as well as it could. And as somebody who had had an idea for a game like this since like 2000, and at one point tried to put out a game like this, this was the game. Though I didn't know it at the time, this was the production value and the level of care and the collaboration that I wanted, and that back then I couldn't get. You know, for a lot of reasons, including, you know, not knowing some of the people involved and also just something as simple as, you know, there was no Kickstarter back then. You couldn't you couldn't crowdsource something. So if you didn't, you know, happen to have, you know, a you know a sizable chunk of money sitting around, these things couldn't be done. And I, I think it's fantastic. You know, I think it's fantastic to be able to, to put stuff in front of people, particularly in the case of Tian Sha, you know, a, a, a you know, 95, 98, I don't even know what percentage right now, completed manuscript, a mostly done layout, a, you know, um, a vast majority of the artwork's done. You know, the text has already been edited, minus any playtest changes and, a, and a, you know, sort of filling in some, some white space. And to point that to people and say, this is what we want to do, and, you know, if you guys are willing to, to help us out and willing to, you know, become, you know, to, to kickstart for us, we can do this and then maybe beyond. And it's really exciting. It's, it's a fantastic yeah. thing to do. With so let's talk about beyond a little bit here since uh, we're, we're running up on the, uh, the half hour mark. I want to yeah. let people go to the Kickstarter before we put them to sleep. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, um, you know, we have a number of additional books plotted along the course to, to, um, to basically create a line of Tinshaw books. And, um, not only do we have, you know, the other provinces of, of the setting, we have books that, um, we'd like to kickstart, which include, um, Bringing in some other creators to yes. to help work on this on the on the setting, including um, 
uh, Ryan Macklin. Yeah. Assuming all him. Assuming everything goes well. And obviously, I just want to caveat that for everybody. I mean, we are super excited to get the opportunity to work with Ryan. I really love his stuff, and I can't say enough stuff about his work. But, you know, obviously, a lot of that depends on how much the Kickstarter goes for and mm-hmm. scheduling. Um, yep. I will say that in I am I'm we've had so much interest in working on stuff that if for some reason we unfortunately lose some incredibly talented person who just can't because of scheduling or something mm-hmm. work on something, I am so confident that we'll you know they'll be replaced with somebody who is who is just as exciting. Right. I mean that's that's been that's been the uh, the anthology. We're we're we're, uh, we're talking about doing an anthology as well, which yes, um, the fiction anthology was was the next one, and uh, yeah. you know some of the some people we've been talking to who've uh, who've been who've been eager to join, and again this is this is basically yeah. if we hit this stretch goal, right. and I can't tell you guys what order the stretch goals appear in yet, but when you click on the uh, on the Kickstarter page, you'll see it all um, mm. laid out for you in a nice little map. But oh. um, I but, mean, uh, what? you uh, you mentioned Robin Laws earlier, and we've been talking to him about it. Uh, yeah, Rob, Robin is one of my personal game design heroes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he and uh, Ray Winninger from sort of the '90s, like Mayfair Games and some other things. Um, a handful of other uh, other folks, uh, Mike Pondsmith, who did particularly Castle Falkenstein, which I just adore, um, and Mechton as well which he recently did a Kickstarter for, a new version of. Um, I am a huge fan of Robin's work, though. Robin is uh, not only a wonderful guy, and um, I was so happy to be able to work on his um, uh, on his Hill Folk project, which I am really... Uh, um, but, uh, um, but uh, yeah, so... So, yeah, basically, Robin Laws is actually um, one of the folks we've talked to about working on the actual anthology and gareth skarka has also been talking to us about working on the anthology um mm-hmm. and um if you guys know gareth's you know it, uh involvement with uh the um wild west uh, the far west oh, wuxia yeah. book you know you you'll know he's he's uh very T.S. enthusiastic t.s lucart mm-hmm T.S. is a gentleman and a scholar. I love T.S. Run, uh, talking to T.S. at Gen Con is one of my high points of, of my year, every year at Gen Con. Uh, he's a wonderful guy, very talented, and just very, always got has a great ideas and is very a wonderful person to collaborate and work with. Um, uh, Mike Underwood, who is mm-hmm. a, um, who may not be as familiar to people uh, from gaming, because he hasn't really, but Mike is a uh, author. He is the uh, sales director for uh, Angry Robot uh, Publishing, puts out a lot of uh, speculative fiction um, some really great stuff, including Chuck Windig and some other guys who uh, sadly were too busy to work on our book on our anthology, <laughs> but, also, but are also I highly recommend. And yeah. um, but but pointed in some cases pointed at us at, at some really great people. Um, and uh, Alan Mike, Turner, uh, Alan Turner. Um, yeah, people um, well, people uh, might know him from uh, his Kickstarter. Edward Gore for Fate, which is I, I highly recommend. Um, but I, uh, one, one quick thing about Mike is Mike recently is in his second book has just been released for uh, or is in the process of being released for his uh, Geekomancy trilogy, which is sort of an urban fantasy designed at sort of uh, very, very nerd friendly, RPG fan friendly and such. And he's also got another project that he has. I don't know if he's announced it yet, but he's got another trilogy coming and stuff. So he's a very prolific sort of uh, speculative, young speculative fiction novelist I've known for years. Mm-hmm. Um I, so just really great people. Um, I'm trying yep. to remember. You 
you you talk to all of them more than I probably have. So <laughs> I'm missing a couple people, and I feel bad because they're wonderful folks. Um, uh, Aaron Rosenberg. Aaron Rosenberg, yes, that was one of them. Uh, and uh, and the gentleman that suggested Robin to us, and now I'm and I'm going to feel so bad when you say his name because um, I'm going because I know he did a wonderful work, and I'm not remembering right now. Uh, uh, are, you t- are you talking about Dave? Yes, yes. Dave Gross. Dave Gross was unfortunately. Um, he had to pull out, um, oh. but he had he had at one point agreed to, to to sign on, but he had to, he had to back out for time constraints because he realized he had overcommitted for the next few months. Ah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that, is, that is too bad, but uh, I, I appreciate that Dave was uh, Dave gets a shout out though for pointing us at some wonderful people. Oh, uh, amazing people! Yes. yes. And, and, and really, really putting us on the right track and saying, I'd love to do it. And apparently not having time, which is a shame. But who knows? Maybe in the future, I'd love to work with Dave. Dave's yeah. a great So, so um, but in, in addition, so that would be a fiction anthology, which, you know, I, I've kind of positioned as one of our, you know, sort of earlier stretch goals because I really, really want to make that one happen. Yeah, I admit, I mean, it's, it's something that I know a lot of people uh, sometimes, not a lot, but I know some people are kind of eh about uh, gaming fiction, and I think sometimes rightly so, mm-hmm. and are definitely uh, kind of like, ah, I'm back in an RPG. Why am I? Why do I? Why do I want an anthology? Um, and you know, that's why we're only doing one. We're not going to do like you know a bunch of anthologies as part of this Kickstarter, right? Uh, but at the same time, you know, when you you float the idea to Robin Laws, who did Feng Shui and did all these other amazing games, and he says, yeah, that sounds great. And you you talk to the guys who are doing Far West, and you talk to some of these other guys who've been doing wonderful things either with fate or with games or with fiction, and they're all like, that sounds fantastic. We'd love to be involved. Um, it's kind of one of those projects that almost puts itself together. Yeah. And and, and I think that was really what, what happened with that. And so, you know, we, we'll talk about some of the other pro- projects here, uh, you know, in a second. But one of the reasons why it's there and one of the reasons we're looking at kickstarting as part of this as a stretch goal is it really was a project that put itself together. We entertained the idea. We made we talked to some folks and the the interest was just so invigorating and so mm-hmm. So, so energetic and so sincere and people were already like, I've already got an idea. And we're like, oh, wow. So, you know, (laughs) and for me, for me, it goes a little deeper than that, because for me, um, you know, I I know that some people are are kind of so so on, on gaming fiction, but I've always been really excited by fiction that introduces me to a new setting and then kind of lets me go play in the setting myself. So. Um, I mean, uh, you know, I'm an old fogey gamer. One of my favorite RPGs was the old Torg role-playing game that came out in the late oh. 80s, early 90s. And that was launched with a, yeah. a, a trilogy of novels that really kind of introduced a lot of the uh, interesting, quirky setting elements to people. So yeah. it's it's really nice to me to be able to, you know, hopefully do something similar i mean it won't be as as kind of big and and necessarily plot focused as that but it's something that will introduce people to the kind of the the special world we have one more thing we should probably move on to talk some of the other stretch goals that we'd like to do but uh one other thing about it that i think is is really fantastic is that um there is not i mean and i say this as someone who has hunted down and read most of what i can there is if you are a you know an English speaker who does not speak you know does not read Chinese, um, you have you know a fair amount of inspirational media you can find in terms of movies, um, some in TV shows though it's harder, uh, a handful of comics and usually some really good ones but not too many, um, but it is difficult to find sort of kung fu oriented wuja style fiction in English. 
Um, it is not a. I mean, they are incredibly well-known, best-selling authors in China, of which you will be lucky to find like one or two books of the forty or fifty that they have done that have ever been translated anywhere. And in some cases, very small press that are hard to hunt, hunt down or expensive, aren't available on Kindle, et cetera, et cetera. So that's another reason to do this is to give people some sort of like you know a genre-appropriate fiction in an area that there is not a lot of. Mm-hmm. And so that's another reason, you know, we talked about doing this. It wasn't just, you know, and again, I don't want to overshadow the gaming stuff, which is going to be the core focus of it. Right. But, uh, but it, but it is, it is, I think, worth mentioning that yeah. that the anthology is, in fact, does have sort of a unique element to it, or maybe if not unique, it is definitely sort of a call out that there is just not. You you can look and look and look, and you are not going to find a lot. Uh, at least available in English. And uh, so the opportunity to do some with some people who love it and know it and, you know, have read read the same books and, you know, same handful of books and read the same comics and watch the same movies um, as I have and work with these really talented folks is just, it's too exciting uh, really not to do. Um, but again, that's one stretch goal. So let's talk about the other ones. Yeah, um, so I, one of the other things that uh, this kind of opens the door for, I mean, you know, again, this is just one book. And, um, you know, the the anthology is just going to be one book. And we have a number of other books, including several other um, setting-specific books, or, or, you know, or or rather, you know, um, location-specific books that will will help flesh out the overall Tinja setting. Mm -hmm. But we also have, um, you know, and and those include um, War, Iron, and Stone, Strife, Fire, and Smoke, Storm, Wooden Waves. Obviously, each of these kind of detailing different you know terrain or, or different you know elements that that are important to that setting and, and 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 also you know just for a quick if anybody's wondering those are basically going to cover uh, a couple provinces in each of the geographic locations so for mm-hmm. example northern southern western you know central etc um uh it's you know just to give people a quick overview of what those are you know, though there are nine provinces in the empire we are not currently planning on doing and i don't think we will need to do like nine books one for each province i think that we're going to be doing more regional from that mm-hmm. from this point right so and the other things, the other books that we're looking at are specifically, you know, um, and I mentioned Ryan Macklin earlier, um, mm-hmm. working on um, magical aspects, if you know, which would expand the yes. setting. It wouldn't, it wouldn't necessarily be necessary to play the core setting, but you know, kind of talking about how to do uh, demons and spells and things yep. of that nature, and. Um, that would be uh, spirits, beasts, and spells. Yes. Um, which would also have uh, you know uh, some some creatures in it. Um, so it's kind of a uh, um, a magic book and and monsters book. And then we also yeah. have a nemesis book, uh, which just you know would just be full of you know villains, which would be yeah. Uh, that one was lies, shadows, and hells, right? Yeah. And that is lies, shadows, and hells. And I am I, and. Uh, that is mostly going to be focused on sort of villainous orders and organizations, though. Mm-hmm. With there, there might be a few smaller gangs and such detailed. But for example, the Lin Kuei, which are, I mean, and, and not to not to diminish their sort of folklore and history, but basically Chinese ninja, uh, and uh, and uh, you know uh, some of the heretical sects of uh, of the various religions. Uh, you know what are commonly referred to in some of the uh, fiction as like the Hell Clans or the Demon Clans, not because they're actually themselves demonic but because they use sort of corrupt martial arts or dark arts uh sort of focusing on on these these wide these sort of 
commonly occurring bad guys that you see and uh, giving people a model, you know, on how to build your own, how to be, you know, uniquely also, you know, how to play a, a former member of these groups who has decided to reform, uh, you know, anything along those lines. Um, you know, and, and then uh, I believe is that um, we, we've, we've, we've talked about a couple other possible things, including maybe a book on the uh, barbarian peoples and stuff from outside the empire. That's definitely something we've considered uh, depending on how far things go with the Kickstarter, which is obviously a question. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I also wanted to sort of say to folks who are wondering, um, this is, you know, sort of ultimately envisioned as being a line that, you know, I'm not saying that we, we're, we're going to end it, but, you know, you are not going to be, it's not going to be one, sort of one of these 1990s lines where we're going to be asking you to buy supplements forever and it doesn't ever feel complete without them. Uh, it, it is definitely designed to be, you know, at some point, while of course we will, per, you know, continue to put out stuff as long as people are interested uh, and really want to see more, uh, you know, there will reach a point where the setting is developed. And, you know, we're not, we may add some stuff, we may, you know, expand, but we aren't going to be sitting there going, we need to squeeze money out of somebody for, you know, you know, you know, you know, revise the borders of the empire to add two more, two more provinces because we need money. Put out more <laughs> we're, we're not going to do no, that. No, 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 not going to be doing that. Not going to be doing that. And honestly, in fact, uh, and I, I don't think we're going to talk about it because it's not part of this Kickstarter, but um, I will say that if things do do well and it is popular and people are interested, we, we do have a, uh, a couple ideas for sort of taking the, you know, sort of Tianja brand or label or call it whatever you want, which is sort of what we're calling this whole system setting and system as a whole and expanding it to you know alternate settings and some other ideas um but if that was going to be done you know obviously we want to be able to sort of wrap up and finish you know get as far as we want on this first yeah we Um, we 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 basically we have ideas for what we do if we crazy fund like if we get like all of our stretch goals and there's still momentum so Mm -hmm. if people want to keep you know throwing money at us we definitely have ideas on what to do with it it. right but um (laughs) and we have some really good ideas on what to do with it so it's it's really exciting but but just to tell tell folks who might be concerned about you know oh my god this is never going to end uh they're actually even when we were talking about the Kickstarter initially, there were parts where I said, and at this point I am done. You know, there were, there were where I, where I would st- talk to James or we would talk about it and we would say, you know, once we hit this stretch goal, once we hit this book, whether we do it in this Kickstarter or a future Kickstarter, um, I may have more to say in the occasional adventure or maybe, you know, maybe we have another anthology if there's interest or, you know, maybe we do an expansion into certain areas. But it, but the reality is, is that from this point is I'm more excited to say, here's the world, folks, play with it. Uh, and that kind of also goes to that idea of sort of that intentional white space I talked about before. Um, I don't want to keep filling in gaps to the point where there's no gaps left. I want to make sure there are gaps for people to fill themselves i never want to have somebody look at me and say i really like this game but man i just don't know you know there's nowhere to put my players you know there's nowhere to put my characters there's nowhere to put my bad guys um i I don't want that to ever be the case nor do i want them to come up to me and say you know you've you've given me nothing to work with and so trying to hit that balance is really our goal Mm -hmm. um and and that's sort of you know that's even our earlier stretch goals like you know we're going to put out an adventure for folks that would really like an adventure to get them rolling and it's going to be an adventure hopefully that will uh you know give you some ideas of where to go from there but it's not going to be something that's going to be so locked in or essential that you can't say hey you know what i'll just make my own and and you'll be fine so uh and that's really you know that's really our goal here is to put out the first book and then see where it goes and see you know get people excited about it and and get people playing and the reason for that is we we want you to play this game we want you to get this game and get an extra copy for your table and and play and have fun 
You know, and that's, I mean, at the end of the day, I want to hear about people using this and having fun with it. So, yeah, you know, let's actually that's... talk a little bit more about the rewards real quick. Um, yes, definitely. And uh, so we've got that one that you mentioned. Um, yes. I won't name them off here in case there's any last minute changes between now and right, the time right. I type it all in. But um, one of the, uh, there's a group of rewards that all kind of fall under one heading. And this is kind of our, our you know, the, every, every Kickstarter uh, person I've spoken to has always said, put some crazy expensive yes. uh, thing out there. And we decided to kind of um, spread this one, this idea out over different levels or different tiers of, of price mm-hmm. ranges. So starting from about $108 and up, and it's called the 108 Stars of Destiny. Uh, mm-hmm. What does that reference? Uh, that is a reference to a, um, and I won't go into the whole story, but just to be, uh, though if you've played the... Uh, uh, Sukaden video games. It's based off the same concept. Um, it's basically a concept in in uh, Chinese uh, folklore uh, about these hundred and eight individuals who are very very important, and they're very they will shape the destiny of the world around them. And you know, honestly, I mean, I guess to use RPG terms, there are one hundred and eight really really important PCs and NPCs. Um, and the idea was to reference that, you know, and and sort of say. You know, for some of our deluxe, you know, the people who really want to buy in at a premium, you know, sort of the Cadillac option for buying in for stuff to say, hey, guys, you know, here's our 108, you know, as, at one on some level to limit it so we don't go insane trying to fulfill them, but also to, you know, allow for, you know, a nice chunk of people to be involved in that if they want. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's a reference to. And, um, uh, and it's, you know, it, it is very just, you know, at, at its core, you know, there's a lot of history that goes into it, but at its core, it's 108 people whose destiny is very important to the stars. And so this is sort of, you know, to, this is sort of the, the reference to that, which right. leads to at least my end of the, of the backer, you know, James is obviously responsible for adding a whole bunch of cool extras to it, mm-hmm. but it, but, but my end of the, of, of the sort of extra that I'll be personally adding to this level of Kickstarter is that every one of every folk. Who, who funds at that level or one of the levels that includes this sort of backer, I will be, you know, signing your book. Um, I'll be personalizing the book with a signature to you. And then I will be giving each one of you a sort of aspect, which is going to be, you know, and we'll, and we'll have a, you know, a list of these somewhere so people can use them for inspiration for their game, um, for their games as well, because I think they'll just be a wonderful play example for folks too, but it will be sort of a, a fun thing that only you will have. And so the book will be signed to you, you know, with your your sort of unique aspect that will be only for you. And I won't be, by the way, putting these in to like game books or anything either, unless like for some reason, you know, you know, a character, your character, or whatever, were to somehow be involved. Which I mean, we're not currently planning for, but you know, you never say never. Um, so it will well, actually, be actually, the thing we do that, have like, um, the, in the for the right, we do have for the characters yes. um, will become officially part of the Tinsha universe. That's um, that uh, oh, those guys definitely will. But uh, I guess my point with that is that if I sign, you know, if I sign something to you and I say, you know, to Bob, you know, the master of, you know, what, you know, the master of, you know, the monkey golden fist or whatever, um, you will not then be turning to a book later on and going, oh, you just, you know, cribbed my, my aspect because you apparently were running out of stuff to say. Uh, I won't be doing that. Uh, this will be really for you. I mean, you know, I can't, I can't draw and uh, I mean, I can barely write, I guess, but, uh, you know, <laughs> you can uh, barely write. <laughs> But um, I'm thinking after you sign 108 books with all of these phrases, you might you might be running into some uh, cramp issues. But that uh, that that might be physically true. But (laughs) uh, but this is something I can do to folks: is to sit down and say, you know, hey, 
and uh, you know we're we're, we're gonna and, and that's not the only thing. You know, there's uh, going to be uh, some uh, you know additional PDFs and some other things that you're going to get at that level, um, including actually uh, um, the, the 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 super one of the super high options is actually a, yeah, a one sort of the Cadillac of almost, options is uh, you're talking about the pillar of vigilance. Yeah, I mean honestly, it's basically almost like a membership to like our PDFs. It's almost like yeah. a it's almost like a twelve year subscription. Which which yeah. by the way, I have to shout out to James that uh, making it twelve years to make it an entire Chinese zodiac cycle was not my idea. That was all him, and I thought that was really clever. So thank you. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that, that was that so yeah, There's me- there's there's a there's a place where you you know there's a level you can buy in where you get uh, every PDF that Vigilance publishes um, from 2010 uh, uh, through. 2020. So that includes the um, uh, the products that we published uh, from 2010 on, and then it goes all the way to actually it's uh, 2022. So well, yeah, 12 years. So yeah. uh, so you know that's a. I mean, it's a it's it's obviously a decent chunk of money. You know, we're still working out the exact amount, but it's uh, you know if you're if you're if you're in for it, it's a good deal. And uh, I think it's also worth saying without going into a bunch of stuff is that you know this expansion into Tianxia into Fake Core is part of a plan that will expand Vigilance Press's stuff into other new game systems and new ideas. And so this is not the this is not the only time you're going to see this happen. Mm-hmm. Um, is obviously what we're focused on. It's the thing that I hold near and dear, and I am so grateful for James and co. at Vigilance Press to let me, you know, do this thing that I've been wanting to do for, for years. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's not the only thing. We've, we've talked to some really exciting people and some really exciting projects coming out. So it's kind of a early investment into what I think would, you know, people look back on it and say, wow, that was a really good deal because I got all this stuff that, you know, I didn't even know was coming at the time. And, you know, and, and but, but here it is. And, oh, my God, this is like, you know, this is amazing. So uh, I think it's definitely, you know, that is, is really great. Uh, at the lower levels, uh, the 108 stars level, you're, you're at least going to be getting all the TN Shop PDFs, which is uh, including stuff outside of the Kickstarter. So, you know, even, you know, you'll get the stuff at the Kickstarter that funds, um, you know, if you funded a PDF liar level or higher as stretch goals. But, uh, you know, anything we put out afterwards, uh, you're still going to get if you fund at that level. So, um, but, but, you know, and again, yeah, that's something say, I want, I wanted to stress actually, um, for people, you know, the earlier, you know, cause not everybody's going to, you know, wander in with like a trunk full of money and, and decide to get the Cadillac option. So we've got, you know, several, uh, really good features like the initial, the base funding level, you'll get to be a playtester on the first PDF. So you'll actually get to see the PDF as it stands now, you know, and it's uh, very, very useful. And, yeah. and very, I mean, there's a lot. Of, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say that, you know, we're not going to ultimately make some playtest changes and, and, and really kind of shore some stuff up around the edges, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, it's, it's a very usable and people are already using it to run playtests and stuff, sort of our alpha playtesters. And uh, I've already used it to run some very successful playtests and it, it is, you know, I mean, you know, warts and all, and there's definitely some things to smooth out, which is what we're currently in the right. process of doing. Uh, some white a, space to fill. White space to fill and just some little system tweaks and some individuals have done uh, some, give me some really wonderful feedback on how to fix some of the things that I, you know, just sort of was, you know, working on. And, and that's in part because we want you to take a look at this. We hope when you take a look at it, you know, five bucks, take a look at it. You know, if you decide it's not your thing, you know, thanks for taking a look at it. And if you do decide it's your thing, we hope you'll come back and you'll fund at the, you know, the, the full PDF level or the book level. Yeah. And uh, and again, you know, like I said, I, we were talking a little bit about sort of the Cadillac options, but you know, I am, I just want yeah. people to 
put the pay what they can if they're interested. And I love all of you. You know, every single one of you that <laughs> I love all of you. I mean, it is it is wonderful. You know, it's just so great to see that. And you know, I hope you have nothing but you know wonderful times with you know Tianxiao, whatever you decide yeah. to use it for. So. And so, if you buy in at the you know finished PDF level, not only are you going to get the uh, the first PDF, you know Blood Silk and Jade, you're going to get all of the Tinshaw PDFs that we put right. out as part of this Kickstarter. Um, and then after that, of course, there's going to be a physical copy of the book. It's a full color book. Yep. Um, and uh, we're looking at right around maybe even a little bit over 200 pages right now um so it's it's not an insignificant book it's it's a weighty tome and it's um it's actually uh a really good deal when you when you balance out you know how much it's going to cost us to print it and ship it you're gonna and it is and, it, and unlike fake courts it's a digest size this is going to be like an eight and a half by 11 or so book uh right. simply simply because the art in particular really deserved its own like like a full page to really bring it out i mean i mean like that that was that was my take on it which honestly if you we mentioned alan turner earlier about the anthology if you've seen his book edregor it, it's much the same theory um the idea of you know if you have this really wonderful full color artwork that's really detailed and stuff you just want people to be able to enjoy it because it really is part of the book you know it really is and that was that was the other thing that's just amazing with having denise on the project as one artist and being able to work with one person throughout the entire book is having somebody who you know helped build the view and the image and the style and you know by the end of the project i don't even have to you know tell people i don't even have to give descriptions of half the characters anymore i can just say hey this guy and she knows who it is because she's already sketched him up or already included him somewhere Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and, and, and that, that is, that is fantastic. I mean, that, that is so, and I, and I think anyway, it gives the book an additional sort of feel of cohesiveness and, and imagery that I think at least for me, and maybe some of the people are less visual, but for me, uh, really adds to the usability of the text of the whole, you know, that, that it flows well and it feels, um, between the layout and the art. I mean, I, I, I believe that Daniel and Denise's work definitely enhanced the text. In a way that I think is, you know, people sometimes ask, well, why do you even have art in an RPG book? Or why, why is layout important? I, I think, and again, this is not me, folks. I had nothing to do with this. I sat around and, you know, knock words on a page and pointed at things. Um, so, but, but Daniel and Denise did such a wonderful job of making the book just, you know, just come together so well visually. And uh, it's just, it was over, it was just, it was amazing. The first time I saw it, I was loud. And that was just, you know, the initial, hey, I'm throwing this together. This is what I have in mind. And, mm-hmm. and it's just grown beyond that. Just be, wow. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, it, it's every, everybody we everybody I show the, uh, the PDF to and show them their work. I mean, you know, they just, they're like, wow, this looks amazing. You know, then they like point at some mistake I made, some typo I made and laugh at me. But after that, but, you know, they go back, <laughs> they go back to talking about how, how, how wonderful it looks, uh, you know, and then pat me on the shoulder and say, it's, it's okay. You'll, you'll be as cool as that someday. Um, <laughs> is that enough self-depreciating humor for this podcast? Uh, I, just want to make sure I think. I think. Uh, yeah, I think Good. we might want to put a check on that. Yeah, uh, I think I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. I just. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I always feel weird about saying too many. You know, I always feel weird about feel like I'm bragging. So I just, you know, <laughs> I, I'd, I'd rather talk about how awesome everybody else is all day long than uh, than, than sort of say, hey, this is cool. I'm doing great stuff. Um, well, but, I, but I will th- say that this the. Um, the total package of like you know your your words and and the visuals and the graphic design um 
definitely something that I'm looking forward to uh, having in physical form. So I really hope that you know we, we manage to make our funding goal, but uh, that kind of depends on everybody else. I you know it's like there's there's a certain level of appreciation you can get from a uh, you know a PDF, but I'm I'm a big fan of getting books out there into stores and onto shelves and trying to reach that wider audience who doesn't necessarily yeah. haunt the uh, the RPG forums on the internet, but actually you know can can talk about our game and in, in, in a store and, somewhere. Yeah, and I don't I don't want to bring I don't want to bring anything uh, down here. And also let me say for a second, just very briefly. Obviously, I joke, but. This is a game. This is a subject and a subject matter and a project I feel very passionately about. And I really, you know, not to be too much of a cliche, Shay, I really poured my heart and soul into it. So uh, I might joke about how, oh, yeah, that Norris guy's writing is terrible or whatever, but I'm not. That's all. I'm kidding. You know, I, I, I never sat down to write on this, and it was never a chore, and it was never a, it was never something I didn't believe in, and I didn't put my all into. Um, and 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 that is and that aside, I, I wanted to say that. Uh, you know, with regards to getting a book and everything, and I just, I don't know, I mean, James may not want to talk about this, but I, I, I feel like at least I want somebody to hear my voice because I want to know how sincere I am. Um, unfortunately, with regards to uh, our international customers, uh, there is a reality beyond our control with regards to physical copies of the book. And uh, I, I don't want to belabor the point, but uh, we're definitely going to be providing international shipping for those who want it, and we are excited for anyone who wants to do it. But for those of you who may not be aware, uh, in, re- in the last uh, year or so, the uh, international shipping rates have gone through the roof. Um, just ridiculously through the roof. I mean, to the point of alarming alarming increases by, by ridiculous percentages. And so while we, we will definitely are and are committed to providing international shipping to folks, um, it is really beyond the control of us and quite frankly just about any other company out there doing international shipping to uh you know keep the price you know to anything beyond what the shipping is mm-hmm. uh and the only reason i even bring that up is because i know people are going to look at the international shipping amounts and if they're not familiar with those increases they're going to say oh my god how much do you want and this is not i mean it is really seriously like it is what it is in that regard and we yeah and, fortunately and hopefully, fortunately yeah. you know with with the uh with any physical copies of the book, you automatically are, are signed up for the PDFs as well. So, um, you know, you'll be getting any and all PDFs that we do with the book, you know, regardless of, of how many of the, of the print copies, um, you order. So, um, there is, you know, so, so basically to sum up, um, please give us your money and, um, please, please, please. No, but no, um, we, we're basically but, but yeah. really, really but, hoping uh, that this project. Uh, this is this is really the first time. You know, when I when I took over Vigilance Press, my first goal was to get us from purely digital products to print products, and so far we've moved to print on demand, which has been satisfying to me as you know being able to hold products that we created in my hand, but. Now I want to get our products out into stores, and for that I really need your help. Um, you know the the listeners and the people who back the projects. Um, when when you tune into the Kickstarter page, um, you'll see what our goals are. You're going to see what rewards we're offering, and and you know if we hit our stretch goals, I'll be updating those rewards with some um, 
you know, additional things that you'll get um, at the same without having to pledge again. And then, you know, if we get far enough along, I'll be adding additional uh, reward levels so that, you know, you, you can add things. And, and we're going to be trying to use backer kit for this. So it might be, you know, so hopefully it'll be easy for people to add on additional things. If we hit certain stretch goals and are able to make certain new products, you'll be able to add on additional products. Uh, my so. experience as a consumer with backer kit has been pretty positive in that mm -hmm. regard. I'm, yeah. we're, we're pretty confident that that's going to work out okay. So, yeah. so basically, we're going to try and make it as easy as possible for you guys. Um, and we want to make it as exciting and, you know, as big an adventure as possible. Um, I've been playing with my friends in my group, uh, the, the, the Tinsha thing, for a, uh, a couple months now. And we really enjoy the setting and the characters we've made and, and the... Uh, um, you know, and, and just actually playing the, the characters out of the book, we started off with that just to kind of get the feel for it and, you know, really enjoy, you know, so if, if you guys ever want to sit down and play a game of Tin Shaw with, with me, if you see me out at a con or whatever, flag me down and we'll mm. see if we can't put something together. But uh, I have to warn you, I got dibs on uh, <laughs> Smiling Ox. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's James. That's James. He's got he's got like standing dibs on uh, on on the smiling ox character, uh, which <laughs> if you see him, I think he's a lot of fun. Um, I uh, but yeah, um, you know everything James said. You know we really look forward to people's support and such. Uh, you know the only thing I really have to add is you know if you're listening to this and there's anything we didn't cover or you know you're like hey I kind of zoned out there for a second because Jack was droning on or uh, whatever and you're um and you you have a question or whatever you know just hit us up on the hit us up on the you know the comments section of the kickstarter uh you can hit us up on twitter you can hit us up on facebook uh you know ask questions give us feedback let us know what you want let us know what you're interested in uh you know we really you know we know we can't do this without you and we also know that without your interest it's really it's not nearly as cool it's not nearly as fun it's not nearly as exciting so you know let us know what you want i mean you know i i can't promise that you know we'll be able to do every little thing that every person wants you know exactly as they want it but i will take you know interest and feedback to heart and we will look at it and we will try to you know try to you know really respond to people as best we can and because we you know we really appreciate the, our, our fans and our customers and the people that you know support us and you know both you know in the past and now leading into the kickstarter and going forward and you know without you folks it really is a lot harder and it doesn't amount to nearly as much. So just sincerely thank you uh, for taking the time and the money and the effort to you know support Vigilance Press, to support Tian Sha, to support you know any any products that you know we, we put out that you enjoy and just you know kind of grow the hobby in a in a positive way and the industry and, and everything involved with gaming. So uh, that's really all I had to say. I mean, that, that's, that's really that, that with that last sort of heartfelt sentiment, I guess I don't really have my, much else to say. Yep. So note the time and date. I'm basically speechless. Um, <laughs> well, I guess we have one last thing to say to everybody listening. And, yep. um, and that's, you know, as we sign off on yet another vigilance press podcast, uh, thanks to everyone for tuning in. Um, and uh, we hope to talk to you again very soon. Uh, but until then, stay vigilant. Stay vigilant.